Hi friends, today we continue our deep dive into fairies and fairy tales. The good, the bad, and the pretty. You're listening to two Monicas and a microphone. I'm one Monica, and the other Monica will be on shortly. So stay tuned for an exciting two-part episode into all things fairy. Monica, we're continuing our theme of storybook stories fairies fairy tales with storybook fairies well it just sounds like a great mashup i think so so when we started talking about the theme for these next couple episodes i was really sure in my head that it would be about the grim brothers um who they were what i thought about their work blah 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 but um i actually just think they're twisted and they corrupted many of the world's great fairy tales so i had to change course Oh, yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. I do like a good, dark, twisted tale or even taking something and making it a little dark. But they did it over and over and over again. And like you said, it's just the same story. So I'm glad we're going somewhere different. That's right. So while I appreciate that it's a writer's prerogative to do with their art what they want, I just wanted to do something lighter and happier. Yeah. Did you need another break from your true crime binge? (laughs) I never need a break from the true crime binge. (laughs) Gotcha. Gotcha. (laughs) Even Paul, he was pulling down the attic ladder the other day. Uh I was like, look, Paul, if that accidentally squashes you, no one is going to believe it's an accident. I had nothing to do with it. You should definitely video it next time he does that to keep yourself innocent. Right? He's like, yeah, Monica, all they have to do is go through your Netflix history. I was like, uh. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Can you imagine? They'll be like, oh, she was so obsessed. She finally wanted to commit her own true crime. I can see it. I can see it now. Sounds like a great um, original movie on Netflix. We're going to switch or I'm, I switched and I'm doing fairies, the good, the bad, and the pretty bright little fairies. In fairy tales, maybe they were godmothers, maybe they weren't, but Uh I feel like they're flying spots of joy. For the most part, they really are. Yeah, Monica, so you know me. I had to ask, uh, why is it called a fairy tale? We're talking about fairies. Yeah, why? Okay. So this was a little bit of a rabbit hole. It's much like the... why is February the second month? It wasn't a whole lot of information out there, but the term itself comes from the translation of a French writer. And she first used it in her collection in 1697. I don't speak French, but her name was Madame de Alnoy. I don't know. Let's just pretend Mm. that that was very nice and pretty Mm -hmm. in French. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it doesn't. So it first showed up in her storybook. So then I went through to kind of figure out, okay, well, did she even have any fairies in her stories? And no, she really didn't. But it actually goes all the way back to the Oxford English Dictionary, which basically the word fairy just meant enchantment or magic. Oh. And that's why we say fairy tales. Not fairy as much in the way that we're going to be looking today as the little sprites, like you said, with the Mm -hmm. wings, Um, but just the fact that it would include enchantment or magic. Oh, I love that. So now we know why they're called a fairy tale and literally has nothing to do with today's topic of fairies, but I thought we needed to address that, you know, uh, about episode four. (laughs) Absolutely. So do you have a favorite fairy? 
I don't really have a favorite fairy. I was never really into fairies. I was into all sorts of really fun things as a kid, but a fairy was not that. Even Tinkerbell, I thought she was cute and funny and sassy. But other than that, I wasn't. How about you? Did you really like fairies? Uh, no, I was never into fairies as a kid. Um, again, goes back to my upbringing and the whole separation between real world, fake world thing. But, you know, as an adult, I think Tinkerbell is probably my favorite. She's super cute. Now, as an adult, I did dress up as a woodland fairy for Halloween. I think it was about 25, 26. And that was a lot of fun. And I got huge wings and I made my own costume and I just made it up. Oh yeah. Me and my best friend, Kelly, she came up from Tennessee and we had a Halloween party at my house back when I was young and cool. And we went all out on these costumes and I loved it. I still have pieces of it today that fit my ankles and that's about it. (laughs) Oh, to be 25 again. Right. (laughs) I thought it was interesting when I was researching this episode that according to Disney, fairies are born from the first laugh of a baby. Oh, that's so sweet. I couldn't find corroboration anywhere else, but I'm going to go with that because I just love the idea of the first laugh of the baby. You know, your baby has its own fairy. Yeah. Oh my gosh. It's so cute. Kind and if like we went guardian angel, oh my gosh, it's adorable. If we went into the whole history of fairies, that's a whole nother which episode. It was, yeah, which we can big. do, but I like this one. Uh, If I have to choose one because they're not real, I like this one. This will be the one in my fairy lore. And going back to the origin of Sleeping Beauty, it's also how the babies had their own fairies. Oh, oh, that makes a lot of sense. They did, didn't they? Yeah, they did. There are light fairies, water fairies, animal fairies, tinker fairies, and many, many more, which we will discover. Yeah. And, you know, I would like to say that I believe fairies, I mean, I haven't researched this, are really a big throwback to Greek mythology with the little neodes and naiads and nymphs and all the different little creatures of the forest and the water and the anything else that there was to be a creature of that was humanoid. Um, I really feel like whenever you talk about the water fairies and animal fairies, that's, that's what it reminds me of. Yeah. And they, they pop up in all sorts of places. Yeah. They're not just a European thing. I have learned that through some of the studies that I was doing for our next episode on fairy tales from around the world. I came across actual fairies in other cultures. It's very interesting. Monica, let's get to the good, the bad, and the pretty. So we're going to start with the good. Well, the best of all the fairies, the most goodest, (laughs) if you will, would be, I believe, fairy godmother from Cinderella. I think you're exactly 100% right about the fairy godmother. Who do you want in your corner? Fairy godmother from Cinderella. Not just any Cinderella. You want the Disney version of the fairy godmother. I agree. Yeah. I think that she is much like a guardian angel, but better. She's like a guardian angel who can grant you wishes. Absolutely. She's kind, bubbly, and she has the most fun job of all. She's the physical embodiment of hope, and she's devoted to making dreams come true for pure-hearted people. Yes. She's so cute. Bippity, 
Poppity Poop. Oh, that's the best song ever. And finally, after Sienna watched it like 570 million times, I was like, oh, <laughs> I know the words. I know all the words, the bibbities, the boppities, the boos, and how they all fall into place. I used to have a Disney cassette that I would listen to, and that was one of the songs back when I was in kindergarten, and I had oh. my own personal little player. Yeah. I love that. Mm-hmm. love that. So she's definitely my favorite. She's a little matronly looking, um, mm-hmm. but you know, it just she's like a grandmother. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. She makes you feel warm and fuzzy and really loved. But have you seen the live adaptation? I have. Now, I don't remember what she looks like. Give me a second. I'm going to look it up. Okay. So I think she is picture perfection as well, but she reminds me more of Glinda the Good Witch. Yes, as opposed absolutely. to matronly godmother. Yes, she's younger, which to me would make sense. I, to be honest, this adaptation of her as the fairy godmother really goes back to where we get the wispiness of fairies, which I'll go into later. But she has more of that wispy appeal. She's wearing this gorgeous organza white dress she's got the curls she's a little probably obnoxious but i feel like if you took the fairy godmother from cinderella the cartoon animation Mm -hmm. and just imagined her when she was younger she may have been just like that character she was probably a godmother for a very long time absolutely hey parent friends Monica and I want to take a break and ask you a few questions. Do you struggle to get your children to listen? Uh Uh-huh. Do you desire your home to be a place of peace, not stress? Yes. Do you feel like everyone else has it figured out but you? Who doesn't feel this way? I don't know because I definitely feel this way at least once a week. But Monica, we're not here to talk about another episode. We're here to tell our friends about a great resource, Kristen Schmoke, Parent Coach. She does live online coaching for overwhelmed parents who are looking to create harmony in the home. I've read her reviews and she's incredible. Monica, you've used her before, right? I have. You and I have laughed together over the last 18 months about my struggles as a parent of two small kids. It felt like I had been underwater for a couple of years dealing with their emotions when Kristen came back into my life. I had no idea I was doing things backwards by trying to teach them to calm down in the middle of a meltdown. So the next time I became frustrated, I reached out to her. She's so calm and reassuring and really knows a lot about communication and kids thanks to her training as an early education teacher and as a mom of four herself. During our session, she helped me understand the behavior I found frustrating was probably just a reaction to all the change we had in 2021. I took her advice, took a deep breath, and didn't focus on the behavior, and our issue is improving. That's incredible. I love it. I don't know if you know this, but I've reached out to Kristen before as well when I've needed help with Lillian's middle school drama. And she's been amazing. Friends, if you'd like to check out what Kristen has to offer and learn more about her coaching and how it can improve your family life, please go to kristenschmokecoaching.com. That's K-R-I-S-T-I-N-S-C-H-M-O-K-E coaching.com. 
www.thisisthefeminine.com. You can also find the link in this episode's notes. Check out her reviews and book a free coaching call and start becoming the parent you've always wanted to be. Now back to the show. What about the fairy godmother in my favorite adaptation of Cinderella, which is Ever Ever After? after. Yeah. You owe me a Coke. (laughs) What about that? Um, Well, you know, it's Leonardo da Vinci, (laughs) which I had to point out to you. Yes, you did point it out to me. Not, I mean, I'm sure I already knew it, but you did make the note of it, which is really ironic because I did have a hard time with the newest musical, which I don't know. Was that on the Disney channel? I'm not sure. CBS Uh, or something. Oh, Amazon. Mm -hmm. The fairy godmother was not a godmother. Um, but you saw that movie. So what is the fairy godmother in that? It's portrayed differently than I anticipated. That's right. So it, I think it kind of follows along the lines of Ever After. So Leonardo da Vinci designs these brilliant wings and then she has a dress and, you know, the movie moves from there. In this case, it's just a really extravagant man wearing a fabulous outfit and he's the fairy godmother. Okay. Do they call him fairy godmother because I think that with Da Vinci, I definitely, he no, didn't have he, any fairy, you know no. what I mean? He wasn't magical. No, he wasn't but, magical. This guy, I think was magical. Okay. Okay. I think he was magical. And, you know, based on his wardrobe, he helped her create her own fabulous dress. Awesome. Because well, she's good. a designer. So I, oh, I love the adaptation. I actually thought it was really cute. I loved the songs and the fact that she was a designer and she wanted to get her designs into the royal house. Oh, that's neat. What a yeah. what a neat story. Yeah. Cool. Anyway, but we can move on because there's so many more fairies to talk about. How about Flora Fauna Merriweather? Oh, oh yeah, from Sleeping Beauty. Oh. They're so cute. They're they're a little bit like fairy godmother and Cinderella, if you will. They're exactly. matron. They're matronly. Yes, they and are. Pudgy. And pudgy. Like, they're oh, so like you want to squeeze their cheeks. Can I just be that way? Yeah, you can. Squeeze you can. my cheeks. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so I love Flora, Fauna, and Merryweather. Even though half the time I forget all of their names. The colors for the distinction, their dedication to saving Aurora, and the fights about using magic or not using magic. Oh my gosh, I love those scenes, especially with the cake at the end. Absolutely. And then the dress. Oh yeah, when she's dancing at the end and they keep changing it. I love it. I think they bring a lot of amusement to what could or was a really dark fairy tale. Yeah, well somewhat but no no well it's not as what? dark no uh, well we went through the original story it's not as dark I, as no that's what i mean i think oh. they bring like an element of humor into the disney version of sleeping beauty because it is kind of sad it is oh yeah definitely they are much like the uh comic relief i didn't realize that flora had gifted the child the gift of beauty yeah, when she's in the crib in the beginning. Mm-hmm. During her christening or, you know. Yeah, it's a christening. christening. It's, it's not coming. No. Her debutante ball. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, she was probably being betrothed at the time she was crowning. 
Obviously. So Flora's color is red and she is, according to the Disney website or the Disney fan site, um, she's the leader of the three, the bravest Mm -hmm. and most determined. Yes. I just love their little personalities. I do too. So they gave them great personalities and she deals with flowers and nature. Her favorite color is pink and she appears to be the strategist of the group dealing in strategery. (laughs) And then Fauna gave Aurora the gift of song and her color is green. And as we remember, she's quiet and introspective and a lot of times is the peacemaker between Flora and Meriwether. She definitely is. Meriwether altered Maleficent's curse. That's right. That's right. So instead of death, Aurora would be put into a deep sleep that could only be awakened by true love's kiss. But Meriwether's color is blue. She's feisty, pessimistic, and often changes Flora's leader, challenges Flora's leadership. Oh yeah, that's what makes it fun. It is, because there's always the battle to, for who's the alpha. <laughs> the alpha fairy. It, the alpha fairy. <laughs> We know the original work was Giambattista Basile from 1634. That story only had two fairies who arrived to care yeah. for Sleeping Beauty's newly delivered twins. Again, by a baby's laugh. <laughs> exactly. Charles Poirot's version had eight fairies. Yeah. And did they come at the time of her birth, right? They weren't after the twins. No, they actually came when the king invited them and he ran out of place. During the christening, right? Yes, during the christening. And then the Grimm brothers version called them wise women and there were 13. Yeah, I get a little bit into that when we get into the bad fairies, if you will, because Maleficent. That's why we're not mentioning her here, obviously, everyone, because she's not a good fairy. She's a bad fairy. I thought it would be fun to look at other fairies that aren't just involved in fairy tales. So the one that came to mind was the tooth fairy. (laughs) This will be an interesting one. Do your kids have a tooth fairy anymore? (laughs) Well, they've lost all their teeth. I think Lillian might have a couple 12-year-old molars to lose. I'm not sure or get. I don't know how that works. (laughs) Um, For the most part, we're out of the tooth fairy game. But of course they had one now. Our tooth fairy is a hot mess and sometimes doesn't deliver goods, if you will, if it's raining or any other thing that might get in the way of the tooth fairy. (laughs) Yeah. So the tooth fairy is not predictable and also gives varying rates. So if you lose your teeth in Arkansas, according to my brother, Mickey, Mm -hmm. as he told Brady, if you lose your tooth in Arkansas, it's worth $10. What? So, yeah, so my son worked on his tooth until it bloodied and was <gasps> not ready and came out. Oh, my God. Yeah, so that is what having an older brother is like, even as an adult. <laughs> so, I have a friend in St. Louis who shall remain nameless, and she didn't have any coins. She only had a $20 bill. Oh, <laughs> Write them a note at that point and tell them you'll give them a coin. First world problems, not to have any actual coins. My daughter lost two teeth within one week. Uh, So cute. But after Mm -hmm. the second one, we're like, we don't have any singles. We scrounged up four quarters and that was that. But we were a little worried about it. 
So oh, I'm well, they're young enough that they can believe anything, including that the uh, tooth fairy can't come in the rain. <laughs> I love that. I'm going to use that next time, even if it's sunny. Be like it was right. raining where the tooth fairy was. Hmm. Yeah. So I was curious to the origin of the tooth fairy. And according to Michael Higston, a reporter from Salon covering the strange history of the tooth fairy, every recorded human culture has some kind of tradition surrounding the disposal of a child's lost baby teeth. Yeah, it's kind of a coming of age thing. It is. It is. One such researcher, B.R. Townsend, distilled it down to nine basic forms. Could you imagine doing like your whole life about the tooth fairy? I can't imagine choosing to do that, but after doing a podcast for over a year now, well, we're approaching a year Uh of drops, but over a year of researching. Yeah, no, I can believe that because the rabbit holes can get deep on some of these subjects that you just take for granted. So this is one such rabbit hole. Let's go down the rabbit hole, Monica, and um, why don't we alternate? Nine basic forms. The tooth was thrown into the sun. Or it was thrown into the fire. Uh, This one's interesting. Thrown between the legs. Whose legs? (laughs) I don't know. It doesn't specify. (laughs) Okay. Or you can throw it onto or over the roof of your house and with an invocation to some animal or individual. I don't know if my kids could actually throw over the house. I anticipate that it's a parent throwing it. Sounds good. (laughs) So it could also be placed in a mouse hole near the stove or hearth or offered to some other animal. Okay. So are these tooth fairy, are these animals are eating the teeth? Is that what they think? That's funny. Yeah, it is funny. All right. Another thing that they would do is bury them. That makes sense. It's like a body part. And they could also hide them where animals could not get it, which is contradictory to giving it to a a mouse. Well, it sounds like animals are really into baby teeth, (laughs) so much so that they're offered as like some sort of offering, if you will, or they're so into them that you have to hide them. But I think that we've all discovered animals are not into kids' baby teeth. Okay, another thing that you could do with them is place them in a, sorry, this is not funny, but the second part is place them in a tree or on a wall. So I am just imagining like all these baby teeth, like you put a little nail stud in the back of them and you like, top. Oh, I might just super glue them to the wall. There you go. And when we go to sell the house, people are going to want to buy it. Oh my gosh. Just be like, oh no, that's the tooth fairy tradition. That's right. (laughs) One of the last ones is that it's swallowed by the mother, child, or animal. Again, the animals are really into the baby teeth. Can you imagine, though, swallowing? No, I can't. Your child. We still have have Samson's baby teeth in a little container. Oh, that's cute. I remember when Buckeye's little baby teeth fell out. They were so cute. So cute. We find them around the house. So I wanted to know more about why losing teeth is so interesting and it conjures up its own fairy. Rosemary Wells from Northwestern University Dental School decided she was even more curious than I was. And she began what became a career-defining search for the origins of the tooth fairy. She even opened a museum. Well, she is a dentist. Yeah, she opened the museum in her own house. She eventually appeared on Oprah. Oh, 
I know. So she was very famous. And according to her research and others, around 1927 is the first time in print that the tooth fairy appears. Ooh, what did it look like? Uh, she's uh, doesn't mention it. Monica. No, I, I didn't look up the 1927 first <laughs> appearance. Why don't you do that real fast? See if we could see what she was described as. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. No, I didn't. Okay. Do that. Sorry. No problem. You're probably feverish. <laughs> or just not as thorough. That's what you're for. Yes, that's true. I'm a weirdo. I want to know all no, stupid it's answers. To- totally fine. The tooth fairy. Oh, it was a children's play. How freaking yeah. cute. Um, she's first mentioned around 1927. And oh. it's she's a character in a really short eight-page playlet for children written by Esther Watkins Arnold. Oh my gosh, how cute would that have been to see that little play? Adorable. However, there's some belief she was mentioned orally as early as the turn of this 19th century. <laughs> I will, for sure. But there's not much written record of the oral translation or transition and passing down of the tooth fairy. So where did she come from? Yeah. What the heck? Her origins are believed to be a cross between two myths. The first is a legend of a mouse that sneaks into a child's bedroom. The mice, mice, they are so into baby teeth. I didn't know this about them. They really are. But this legend spans from Russia to Mexico. Well, that makes you think it could be true. It's global. The second is the typical good fairy which is mainly a European figure that crept its way over the Atlantic Mm -hmm. into the lore of Disney in the mid 1960s and became a cultural explosion of the tooth fairy. Well, speaking of cultural explosions of the tooth fairy, we, as in me and the kids used to watch a cartoon called teen Titans go. Oh yeah. Okay. Love that. Have you seen the tooth fairy episode? No. Okay. Well, the tooth fairy eats the teeth. (laughs) It is a quite a hilarious episode. Okay, I'm going to pull it, it up today. <laughs> you should, because it's very comical and it it also a bit grotesque, obviously. obviously. And then, of course, there's the adaptation of the Tooth Fairy with The Rock. I don't know that one. Yes, The Rock is the Tooth Fairy. <laughs> <gasps> oh, I think I... I th- think. And then I think later, Larry, the cable guy is the tooth fairy. (laughs) It's pretty funny. I'm sure if we looked it up, um, anyone listening to this can do this on their own. I bet you'll find a horror film with the tooth fairy. (laughs) There's no way you're not finding a horror film with the tooth fairy. In fact, I'm going to see if there's one not named tooth fairy because I feel like... Oh yeah. 2019, an evil tooth fairy (laughs) rips out your teeth. <laughs> but uh, not to be confused with the tooth fairy from 2006. Yeah. Oh my god. All right. <laughs> Halloween episodes are becoming more apparent. I know they're everywhere. Oh, gross. Well, the images. Ooh. So I knew it. I knew there was going to be a horror film about the tooth fairy. That's yeah. real. You know, I will have to say that I am very astonished by the tooth fairy origin and the fact that it doesn't go all the way back to like the 15 or 16 or no, 1700s that it is. I mean, honestly, it's almost contemporary. I mean, I mean you got the little century. mouse, but the tooth fairy, that's crazy. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. And also if it wasn't going 
going to be of the 20th century. Mm -hmm. The fact that the Victorians didn't come up with it because they were weirdos <laughs> about stuff. You know where it talks about putting teeth on the wall? It was probably the Victorians. It was, that was probably the Victorians. Friends, if you like this episode, stay tuned for part two. It's coming right up. And don't forget to share us with a friend if you like this episode. Leave us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, and, you know, it can't hurt to write a review. Today's music was provided by Kevin McLeod and some classical music aficionados. All the details on where we get our content, please check out our show notes at twomonicaspodcast.com.